This is the A to Z podcast, take 10. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. We're on most of your favorite social media platforms, at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott. We're at facebook.com slash A to Z podcast, A to Z podcast.com. If you're new here, welcome. Um, if you're not, we appreciate uh, your support over the years, the months, the wild stories, the meandering things that we do, and the occasional sports and life that we talk. Anyway, um, if you are new here, we get excited. We venture into mature slash immature subjects and occasionally say four-letter words. So if that's not for you or if you're in a work environment, come back to A to Z at another time. Um, supporting us for a long time have been Cleveland Scene, the Honeymoon Grill, and the Portage Lakes, and our friends American Fireworks in Hudson. They are always open 24-7 at AmericanFireworks.com. Uh, I was outside a little bit ago, Dre. I can tell you it is officially oh. summer. We go right from winter to summer here uh, in That's Cleveland, right. in Northeast Ohio. Um, and I know we're two weeks from Memorial Day, so it is time to get to American Fireworks. Bang, bang. At American Fireworks, as much as we love you, we may have to call you and talk about some dealings and deals that we have coming. Uh, we love you, and we hope that you love us as much as we love you because we may be making y'all national. Go get these fireworks. Bang, bang, bang. I, you know what? I know it's nice outside because I'm reading a tweet right now that says, Corinne Height with a great catch and left for Manchester to save two runs and retire Tulsa in the bottom of the fifth. 4-1 <laughs> Mustangs. It is 3 o'clock here on the East Coast. How the hell is Manchester softball already playing a game right well, now? Well, you know, we, academics first. No, um, it's <laughs> districts. So, um, like, I wanted to go to the St. V baseball game tomorrow. Well, tomorrow. Yeah, they're charging tomorrow. ten bucks to get in. Yeah, how do they charge? Yeah, and 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 I know the the coaches will both hear this. Uh, how do you charge money at, at at where they're playing at, <laughs> at Summit Lake? Like, like, I'm, well, I'm, right, they don't. Right, this isn't even a the, like these facilities are just like open parks. You can't even right. do it. I, like I thought, they would drop off a pair of Lebrons, and you get a pair of Lebrons if you can stay for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're off on tangents already, and guys, I want to say. Um, whether this is your first time, your second time, or your 200th time, thank you. Um, I know it's been a little bit, and part of that is because we were doing some other podcast business that will hopefully will start to show up later in the summer, um, and, and we'll we'll stick with you on that. But we did record one yesterday, and I messed up the settings, and it wasn't usable. So we're going to start with an edition of our favorite game, Congrat and Congrats. Yes. And we start with me, and congrat to me for doing that. Yes, congrat to you for doing that, and congrats – Congrats to me because I don't even remember or recall. Um, I used to be able to remember like, hey, we had this conversation or hey, we had this conversation. And the congrat truly starts with myself because <laughs> I texted you Sunday night, I believe it was. And I, I was like, I had a thought in my mind and I was um, I was going to get another beverage from the from the refrigerator. And I was like, I'm texting Zach right now to give him like these four topics that I really want to hit on. And literally within the text. I forgot my fourth topic and the most important topic. So <laughs> well, this was not meant to be, basically. Is what yeah, I well, say. listen, I, I, I feel you. Um, and part of it is because I know that you're doing West Coast baseball games without being on the West Coast. So you're still having a normal life, whatever normal is for you, for us, for, <laughs> for most of our listeners, right? But then you're driving to an empty baseball stadium and you're there till 1.30 in the morning watching an offense putt along, right? Oh, <laughs> and... Then still going back to your normal life, so that's that's different. But um, we did talk some NFL schedule, Dre. We talked yeah. some NBA playoffs. My dog barked a lot, so hopefully we won't have to deal with that today. Um, the swimming pool in the backyard was getting opened, so she was all fired up about the guy that was doing it. And um, yeah, we just you know we just kept going down different roads, which is what we do here 
on this podcast. Um, as far as the Browns' schedule, like they've arrived, guys. Four national standalone games. Um, the possibility of a fifth on the initial schedule before the fact that they're good, if they're really good, and if they're playing big games, there are all, all sorts of flexes built in. But the, the thing that I said, Dre, and congrats um, to the Browns on this is when I really dove into last year's schedule to see how they structured some things, you know, the NFL took teams like the Bills and the Patriots that they knew or they figured would be playing for playoff spots, and they backloaded their national TV games. And they did that this year with the Browns. And so that's a sign of respect. So I know some people, you know, wish that more home games um, were on TV. And listen, if, if the Broncos get Aaron Rodgers, then then all of a sudden Cleveland hosts the Thursday night game of the year. <laughs> you know, we'll see how that goes. But first, you know, two, two quick thoughts. Um, nine times out of ten, the schedule stuff evens itself out one way or the other, right? And two, like it really is a sign of respect that Sunday night football, Thanksgiving weekend, Monday night football, week 17, the NFL is saying we trust that the Browns are going to be playing games that matter. Yes. Well, and, and I said this, to, and, and, I, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, and I kind of mean it, but I don't mean it all the way. Um, it's unbelievable to me that the NFL has continued to find ways to get grab people's attention when there's no games being played anytime soon. Um, and because of probably where I'm at in life, and, and as you said, I'm on the West Coast, East Coast schedule all at once. Um, I, I haven't been able to jump for joy over his schedule because I knew there would be 17 games uh, in between September and January. Uh, you know, the thing that jumped out to me, obviously, was that uh, you start the season versus Kansas City and you talk about, you know, national games. The NFL really does things differently now when it comes to it's not it, this isn't 2000 anymore. This isn't 2010. Now, this isn't even 2015 anymore um, with how and what is important to their scheduling, because behind the scenes, I know that ESPN slash ABC has fought to make Monday night to be more. Um, what's the word I want to use? More formidable that you just won't just have any Monday night game anymore. And I know Sunday night has become the pinnacle, basically, of the schedule. But if you get the 440 game, which basically is a standstill game, as you just said already, uh, on Sunday afternoons, that basically is to all of America. I'm not blown away by playing Kansas City the first week of the season, only because I know the reactions of us. And when I say us, meaning all media, all Northeast of Ohio, all Northeast Ohio, either at 8 o'clock you guys will be calling like the Rizzo show on Sunday talking about Super Bowl tickets, or you'll be trying to jump off the 480 bridge. Uh, come that first Sunday of the season. <laughs> and, and neither is really um, – you don't need to do either after well, week one. Yeah, so so congrats to the Browns for being good enough to get first game back in Kansas City because they know people are watching. Right. And that 425 window is huge. You know, that 425 window week one didn't used to exist because of tennis. Right. <laughs> you gotta see I don't get out I don't get out much, right? Even before the pandemic, right? <laughs> but it used to be CBS games at once. So a couple things, Dre, that you touched on. Um guys, the CBS the, the what we've known our whole lives, right? AFC games on CBS, NFC games on Fox, that's out the window. There there will still be that, but um basically those games are up for grabs now and and these networks draft them. Um Monday night football flex scheduling is coming to fruition. I don't think that's something that will happen a lot, but you you will see bad games get removed from Monday night and a handful of marquee games get pushed back, you know, despite the logistical challenges of doing that. And then every year, week 18, there will be a Saturday doubleheader 
of two marquee significant games played on Saturday and then one on Sunday night. So the Browns are likely disqualified from Super Saturday this year because they play Monday night, Week 17. I don't think they do the Super Short Week thing, but if Browns-Bengals is big, if it's going to determine um, seeding or the division, then they could still play that extra Sunday night game. So there is a chance. Um, there are four locked in you know, before flex scheduling, but there is a chance the Browns could play six or seven Monday games in addition to, as you mentioned, KC at 4 o'clock, Chargers at 4 o'clock, Arizona at home at 4 o'clock, which to me could be, you know, Arizona is one of those boomer bust teams. They loaded up on all these 30-some-year-old guys, but I just think the world of Kyler Murray's talent, and if they keep those guys healthy, if J.J. Watt's healthy, if A.J. Green's got anything left in the tank, I mean, that's a, that's a sneaky good team. That's, that's, to me, the most loaded division in football, um, yes. Outside the AFC North is the but, is the NFC West. But congrats to you because you had you just did the thing that we both know better than you had too many ifs in there. And look, anyone that goes about uh, winning an NFL season is going to have to answer a lot of the what ifs. I think the thing that we love about the Browns is that they don't have a lot of what ifs. They have a lot of of knowns, right? Yeah, uh, we know who they are, what they are, and how they can go about doing things. Um, and so that that I, I think the scheduling part, like. For me, I told you this when we, when we recorded this yesterday. The only thing I look at is like the first like three, four games of the season is to try to figure out where the hell I'm going to be and how the hell I'm going to have to watch football <laughs> while I'm doing baseball games. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm no, like that sweet. is what you think. Like. That's all I think. I'm being completely honest. I'm like, all right, first game of the season is a four o'clock game. Indians play at one o'clock. Sweet. I'll, I'll be able to catch, you know, like for me, I'm like, that's a good one. One o'clock, I think the second week. I think both the Indians and Browns play at one o'clock. I'm like, all right. So, I was like, I won't, let I won't me, let me catch you off for that. a second. That's so true. Like I had people hitting me up last week. Like, give me some schedule tidbits. Give, oh, where are you excited? And I'm like, listen, like I care about a couple of road trips and when they are in terms of seeing good weather once it turns bad here. Right. Or in terms of being here for certain weekends. So I don't miss certain family of things I want to do. And I'm like, and in September, all Andre cares is when the games are because he's got to make sure he doesn't get pelted by a baseball trying to watch the Browns in the dugout. Like that's my first, like everybody else is like, oh, I'm going to do this. But I will say this, and this is a step for me as, uh, this is a step. I will say that I did go through the first month when I knew baseball would be going on. But I did for the first time in a long time, Zach. I looked at the schedule and thought to myself, what game would I would try to go to and take my dad to? Or what game would I want to go as a fan? I haven't done that in a very long time. Maybe it's just me aging a little bit. And maybe after going through a pandemic um, and not being able to kind of go to a game, I will say for the first time in forever, I did look at the schedule and was like, all right, because I ain't going to no game in December. I'll tell y'all who was at right now. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, I went from like mid-October to like mid-November. And I was like, which one of these games would I be willing to go to um, and actually go as a fan? So that's how I look at a schedule. I don't know. Are you too old for that Thursday nighter or not? Ooh, that's the one. How'd you know? That was the one I picked. Nah, um, I mean, Ryan Isley's my, uh, he's my hometown Uber driver. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to find out how much money he would make on a Thursday night football night uh, and not pick up hookers, drug dealers, and people that uh, don't know which way is which. Uh, I figure if I pay him enough, he'll pick me up and take me. So maybe I am old enough to do that. <laughs> yeah, I just think, you know, the, the hit would be different Friday morning, That, where, that whereas on a Sunday 1 o'clock game, you've got the rest of the day to kind of gather yourself once you, know you get back to the homestead. You're right, and maybe this is where I'm at as a fan now. I'd almost rather give up my Friday afternoon slash early afternoon um, only so I can have Sunday where I can watch. I'm more into watching all the teams and exactly. all the games. Exactly. 
that exactly. I'm willing to I'm willing to give up the Thursday Friday to have my Sunday the way that it is. And that's the other thing I would say. I, and I got to watch a ton of football last year, which was great. Um, and I told you this: like the four o'clock games were always interesting to me. And you worked so many one o'clock games, like that Arizona team. You're 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 they are. Like if I played Madden the way I used to play Madden, that would be like the first team I would take. The Browns or Arizona Cardinals. But I still – I'm very curious what they're going to do with Kyler Murray because after he got hit a couple times last year and his shoulder was banged up – and look, this happens with any player that gets banged up, but he's so small right. that things did change a little bit with how they could run an offense. And, and it, you know, this has been the question with Arizona from the moment that they drafted him where they drafted him. It meant his talent is through the roof. No doubt about it. But when he's banged up, you can you base your offense around a five foot ten, five foot nine quarterback? Yeah. You know, I don't no. think he's five foot ten in cleats. No, no, right? No, that that that's an interesting question. Look, um, what you just said it right there um, is how far the Browns have come. If I was still playing Madden, I'd probably be the Browns, right? <laughs> like, what, what, what do you say on yesterday's? It was only five six years ago that we were doing the podcast in the mid to late summer. And we were talking about something completely different than the Cleveland Browns. And I said, oh, by the way, I had to go to the sports store the other day to pick up a watch or something. And um, here's the jerseys on the wall. Isaiah Crowell. (laughs) (laughs) Desmond Bryant. Right. Joe Thomas, who's greatest guy ever, but, you know, was a left tackle and an aging one at that point. And now the Browns have all the star power. So, look, guys, they're good. Um and, you know, they're not without flaws. The roster's not perfect, but it's good in many areas, and they think it's a lot better on defense. So we'll see how it comes together. We'll see how they handle all this stuff. But, I mean, the entire offense is back. The defense has been remade. It's been, it's, it was needed. Um, you know, I think they mixed some really sound decisions with some aggression and taking some risks. I love the thought of Clowney. I don't love the thought of Clowney getting hurt, especially at the expense of Sheldon Richardson, but we'll see. Right, I love the thought of Odell coming back. We'll see how that all works out. Um, this is a really good team. It's really exciting time, and and I'll say this, Dre, like having been out more as the world starts to open, and me even the last couple of weeks going places other than my local golf course or my local watering hole. One thing that's really struck me: people wearing the Browns gear. I know everywhere you go, there's a Nick Chubb hoodie. There's a Browns t-shirt. There's a new jersey. There's the new pullover, the windbreakers that you wear at this time of year, right? Because you don't know in Ohio if it's going to be 40 or 80. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's back, and that's a lot of fun. Like, I, you know, in the late 80s, we were kids. We were in elementary school. We remember that stuff. It shaped our fandom. Let's just be honest. It hasn't been that way for a long, long time. So, is the team a sleeping giant? We think so. We'll see. Is the fan base a sleeping giant and ready to unleash on downtown Cleveland? Yes. So you better really be mentally ready to go to one of those games at your age. I have a question. <laughs> you ain't lying. I have a question about that, but we'll 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 get closer to the season um, before we go there. And before we get out of here, I want to ask you about rookie camp and all that other stuff. And I just saw Greg Newsom turn 21 today. I just as I'm looking at Twitter as you were speaking, and my mouth just dropped as you were questioning if I if I got a Thursday night game in me. Uh, that seeing him just turn to 21 hit me harder than you saying that um, the NBA season is over, but not over because let's be honest. The NBA has one of the same characteristics that MLB has. Um, there's a lot of casual fans that don't want to watch. Um, I mean, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm an NBA fan and, and Thursday nights. Most of the time I only watch the fourth quarter of the game so I can see Charles Barkley and Shaq make fun of each other. 
um, until 1.30 in the morning, more so than I care about who wins that, that game that night. But the best thing that the NBA has is playoff basketball. Playoff basketball is different. It's here now, and I got to bring up the playing game with you. Um, this is something I've been wanting to talk about for a while because in all seriousness, I didn't have any idea how the playing games worked. It was a little bit like the all-star game where they went to this that new scoring thing. And and look, all sports really at this point in time, and we know baseball, and I'll, when we somehow in the first podcast that we did, we did really good for 45 minutes and didn't bring up baseball. And then for like 45 seconds, um, we let the world blow up in baseball. But we may get back to that. Um, this basketball thing that's going on, this playing game thing, you may be able to explain it better than some others. Um, maybe I am, maybe I can't. But I wasn't crazy about it three weeks ago, Zach. I was I was the old fuddy-duddy, get this stuff out of my room, just give me the top 16 teams and get out of my freaking way. <laughs> but now, you know, now that we're on, what, May 18th? Is that where we're at? May 18th, 19th? I'm a little bit excited about it because of who's showing up and who's playing who, and it's something different, and um, maybe this is what basketball needs. Well, surprisingly, we got a little off track, but I'll say this. Congrats to the NBA for this unique format and for landing Warriors versus Lakers as the showcase game of it. Congrats to the NBA for Warriors-Lakers being 10 o'clock on a Wednesday and for the possibility that we're one more Anthony Davis ankle sprain away from the Lakers not being in the real playoffs at all. Okay, do they? Okay, as much as we both like this, and I'm glad you do it, congrats, congrats on this, congrats, congrats on this. Um, if the Lakers get bounced, is it a great idea, but it becomes a complete congrats? Yeah, you know, it depends on how you look at it. I mean, I think to a lot of the basketball community, um, yes. And, and I mean, I think for as much turmoil as the Lakers have gone through and how early in the year it looked like they added juice to their roster and then it really hasn't, right? Like, we want to see LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the playoffs, right? We believe that that team, under any circumstances, could still raise the trophy I almost said in June, but June's in two weeks. Yeah. And whenever it is the hell that they that this playoffs are finally over, right? Um, but, you know, the format is unique. I like it. So the seven is playing the eight. The nine is playing the ten. The nine ten games are singly limb. Loser goes home, which adds some March Madness element and some real postseason element to it. And then the winner of that game plays the loser of seven eight in another elimination game. So. This is totally unique. I, I didn't even know this till like a week ago. Did you? I don't even think you knew it until we started talking about talking about it on the podcast. No, exactly. Yeah, I so I, know about it. I thought they were both going to be best of threes and they would drag out over the course of the week and whatever. So, um, you know, with the exception of playing it at, at the University of Dayton, it's just a lot like the first four. And, and we'll see how it shakes out. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know. This has been a weird year, and I think the NBA. I think guys were tired, and the NBA was off schedule, and they're still de- dealing with COVID uncertainty. And unfortunately, tonight you open the playoffs with Karis LeVert being out because of failing the health and protocol rules. Um, you know, I really think everybody involved wants this over, right? But we know that like most of the appeal today's NBA is the drama, but the playoffs still matter. And I know from my perspective. It's not like the NCAA tournament where I'll watch every bounce, but for the next two months, like I'm excited. This is going to be high-level competitive basketball, and I think for the first time in a long time, I think there's more than five teams that legitimately have a chance to win the thing. Right. I mean, and that's that's what the NBA wants. I'm mad that Denver um, lost one of my favorite players. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, without having Murray, I, I told you when they made the trade at the trade deadline, I was like, look, I think Denver legitimately has a chance to win the NBA finals. Um, and I'm going to get on you about, we're going to, we'll talk about the NBA MVP. LeBron says it's another man that was born in Akron, Ohio, and I never fight that. Uh, and that's part of it. But the Joker is one of my favorite players to watch. I love, I like Malone as a coach. Uh, but unfortunately, them losing uh, Murray. Uh, it changes their offense because he is the one guy that they can kind of hand it to and give them offense. Uh, the rest, I, Michael Porter Jr. is a player that I, I, I'm a Denver fan. Is my I like how they play. I like how they're coached. Um, but you could talk me into three, two or three other teams that could win it all just as easily. Um, I, I think, uh, you know what? It, it, I want to say this the right way. We all have a pretty good idea usually who the final four will be in the NBA playoffs. Wouldn't you say that? I think yeah, usually year, we do. We usually we could sit here right now, the day before the playoffs start, and name three of the final four. Yeah, I don't know if we're there. Like here, I'll give you a perfect example why I'm excited about the NBA playoffs. I don't think the Portland Trailblazers have a chance in hell to win it all, but I also will watch the last five minutes of every one of their games because <laughs> <laughs> Dame might pull up from uh, you know Sacramento, right? Yes. I know yes. Dave Dollar is going to do something that's going to make you say holy. And I think that's where the NBA and, and with this Twitter world that we live in and with this instant gratification world that we live in, I think sports, I think you know, somehow football has overcome this. And football, maybe it's because football hasn't oversaturated us completely. It's a different saturation with it because you have college football uh, almost on daily and everything else. But with baseball and basketball, like Kevin Pillar of the Mets got hit in the face last night, and it was one of the most disgusting things. I know it was disgusting because they didn't play it back on TV, and usually we play everything back on TV. But he got hit with a 95-mile-per-hour fastball in the nose, broke all kinds of bones in his nose. He was leaking like I haven't seen anybody leak. They had to clean that home plate off. It was disgusting, right? That will get more play in the world that we live in right now than a good baseball, a good nine-inning baseball game. Uh, we had two people dressed up as elephants last night in Anaheim and we showed it on TV that will get more play than the double hit by whomever else or by the great pitching performance by Nick Sandlin last night. The thing that the NBA playoffs and Dame Dollar gives the NBA playoffs, he will give you, or he has given you Twitter moments, right? He's given you moments where you're like, I don't know who Dame Dollar is, but damn Dame Dollar's so big right now that, you know, his, his interviews, from being in the bubble last year, now are part of J. Cole's top number one album, rap album in the world right now. Talk about, I came here for business. You know why I'm here. Um, Dame Dollar and the Portland Trailblazers have about the same chance as Zach and Andre um, winning a fitness contest over the next three months. <laughs> but the Portland Trailblazers will be one of the most watched playoff teams. When we know what time they're playing, the TV will be turned on. Like tonight, you got Charlotte and Indiana. Um, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. But a ball brother, who I remember when he scored 100 in high school, you and I were in a studio together doing a podcast, and you were telling me about the balls. That was like four years ago now, right? Three, that was four or five at years least, ago. At least, yeah, at least, yeah. I know tonight, while I'm prepping for the Indians game, I will have that Charlotte game on the background because I like bridges, and I like when and ball is an exciting player. I can't, I can't help it, Zach. He's an exciting player. The Washington game tonight in Boston. Um, we said this yesterday, and we got to say it again. You've always been, and I'm glad you were, you've always been in the front of the line of saying Russell Westbrook is special. He's different. 
He may not be, you know, he may not be the guy your brother recruits to come play for him. He may not be the guy that you, you would teach your kid to play like, but we got to give him his flowers and his respect because he's got more triple doubles, doubles than Oscar Robertson. And now he plays with Bradley Bill, who's got a hamstring injury that's going to slow him down. But Bill's one of the best pure scorers the NBA has right now. Yeah, they're, they're fun. Um, and I will try to stay up and watch that game tonight, no doubt, because they're fun. You know, it's it sucks, Trey, to be right here and having this conversation because I know that Cavs' apathy is so prevalent, right? Um, and, and we're only five years from moving the title. But, like, I think, and this is our podcast, we talk about what we want, but I think there's just a big chunk of people here – in our home base, right, that say I, I can't get excited about the NBA because my team is miles away from relevance right now, yeah, right? Now, one thing we've talked about is I think in recent years, a reason people would say I can't get excited about the NBA is it's all about the offseason and we know only two or three teams can win. And we're telling you this year's different, right? Yeah. And we're telling you this is going to be good competitive basketball and there are going to be – I don't know. What's the surprising – is surprising the right word? I, I don't know. There's going to be notable, interesting results um, over the next, you know, the next few weeks. Like, so to, I'll be plugged in. Um, just from a sports-watching standpoint, this is usually the time of the year that it goes dry because this is usually the time of the year that we're down to four teams in the NBA. And now this year we have 20, at least for two more – at least for one night. We're still – we're at 20 teams, right? So we'll see um, – how that goes. You know, I think we're all just excited of the, of the transition right now in sports. I've, um, this is Tuesday as we record this. Uh, I was busy this morning, but I did see the Indians announced that the stadium is going full open in, what, two and a half weeks? Something June like second. that? Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Um, you know, hopefully we're, we're turning corners that way. I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Browns in training camp. I know there'll be a waiting list a thousand fucking miles long if they can have, you know, fans there, especially well, if it's not full fans. And, I, and we and we've been good at doing this and not talking out of the side of our ass like we know more than we should or like we stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. But if <laughs> but if on June second the Indians can open up Progressive Field fully, I don't know how the hell they're not going to have training camp. I mean, well, let me say I'm glad you brought that up because of the fight going on between the players mm-hmm, and okay. the 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 league. Exp- NFL players are not going to be mandated to be va- to be vaccinated. Right. So to open it to fans, there's still some complications there because that's the that's the essence of training camp. You get to watch these guys from five feet away. You get to bring your kids and get autographs and take right. pictures and all of that after practice. And I just don't know. That's the holdup, right? Yeah. No, you know, that's a good point. Um, something else popped up in my head as this was happening and totally off base but on base. Will the Haslam's use the advantage of opening up a new stadium down in Columbus, uh, even though they, they are doing some back? And I'm not a soccer fan, so soccer people, God bless you. Uh, it is weird that they're naming, they're renaming the Columbus crew. They built that new stadium, and I know there were some agreements. Well, they backpedaled on that. That, that. That's over, I guess. Really? They yeah. backpedaled? Yeah. Wow. The nerds won. The bigger nerds won. <laughs> <laughs> what the nerds won but the haslam's win because they made soccer in, in, in a backwards way because you know i'm not big fans of who they are and what they've done in the past but they made so- they got soccer in the headlines for a couple days 
Yeah, um, and listen, that stadium down there is a big deal. Have you yeah. have you seen the drawings of it? Yes, I have. It it's looks crazy. So um, to answer your question, no, I don't know exactly what the plan is for training camp. I know that pending full NFL clearance, Stefanski plans to have some going away practices against other teams. But are they here? Or are they at another team's facility? Are they at a neutral site? I don't know. Um, I, and I think a lot of that just comes down to the regulations of how many people can we have? What What is going to be the deal? So, you know, will they have a stadium practice open? Might they have to close normal practices and just have multiple stadium practices? Might they go and do one in the cruise stadium? I think that's all in play. But right now on May 18th, I don't think any of that's settled because, like I said, it's just you, you, you can't say that the players, you know, you can't just expose the players to right. outside things when you're doing all these other protocols otherwise just to have practice, right? So I just don't know how that's going to work out. No, that'll be interesting. Um, since we're talking about the NBA, and we'll go back to that, um, the Cleveland Cavaliers, season is over. We're now three years removed from LeBron, LeBron Ramon James leaving town again. God, it feels and like no- 33. Yes, it does. And knowingly knowing that he was leaving town this time, right? Yeah. Like, um, no one was caught blindsided. Uh, I think we all knew what was coming. We can have the argument. I never liked the Kyrie Irving trade. I never was for it. I didn't like the trade they made in LeBron's last year. Um, I think uh, Jason, uh, why can't I think of his last name? Jason Lloyd did a pretty good job writing in The Athletic about uh, where the Cavs are and how they kind of rolled over in their last attempt to win a championship. And obviously this is 2020 hindsight, but but if you listen to the podcast and we've got plenty of pods to go back and listen to, um, and we're in there for sale. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't think I changed much from then to today. Um, seeing how far away and how hard it is to get, just get to the playoffs for the Cavs and considering the last time they won a playoff game without LeBron being a part of the team. Uh, I think Sean Kemp was somewhat skinny and in shape still. And most of it, and the, and the queue was called the gun arena and had light blue seats that got dirty every time you sat on them. Um, the uphill battle the Cavaliers are going through, and after that yeah. charade they played with Anderson Vergeau over the last few weeks, um, it's quite. And look, Dan Gilbert brought a championship here, but the championship doesn't come here if LeBron doesn't come back. Uh, I feel like that organization is in shambles a little bit, and I don't want to be negative about this at all. But they're three years removed. Garland, Gar- you know what? And you made this point yesterday, and I'll let you make it. Darius Garland. Um, he looks legit, but so does Sexton at times. But at his best, I don't see Sexton as more as a, as a great six man uh, or the second or third fiddle on a really, really, really good team. You can't give that guy the max. You're going to probably have to give Allen the max. Um, I'm not sure who and what this team is and if they've made any movement forward since LeBron walked out the door, Zach? No, those are all fair questions, Jerry. And listen, even when you take on a multi-year rebuild, which the Cavs obviously did, and, you know, part of the reason we've saved this for now and part of the reason we'll be done with this in two minutes is we, we just don't know. <laughs> There's not, not a lot to say. That's how bad they are, right? But a major question you have to ask yourself at any level of sport, any level of your program building, building a high school basketball program, an NBA team, a pro soccer team, an NFL team. What are realistic expectations for next year, right? And frame that in whatever three, five-year box or window that you're in. Like, we all agree the Browns window is open, right? 
we'll agree the Indians have flaws, but could still win 90 games if they get a little bit hot with the bats, right? Right. Um, what is realistic for the Cavs next year? Maybe cracking the play-in game, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, what – you know Kevin Love has zero trade value. That's a joke. The Verajal thing was a joke, right? Like, all these things have stacked up. What would Colin Sexton fetch you in a trade? Anything? I don't I don't know the answer to that. Right. I don't think the answer is very much. I, yeah. And, and right, that's the scary part, man. Right. Like what like and that's so what are you really building? And I'm not trying to attack Kobe, but cuz Kobe Elam being the general manager of the Cle- Cleveland Cavaliers is you're 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 playing with one hand behind your back because the owner is going to be the owner. Uh, the owner is going to come up with ideas and do things that that maybe don't agree with where you're going forward, right? Uh, you can't sell me on two smaller guards going forward, especially when the league is full of. Um, you need the six six seven six seven guy, the athletic guy, and maybe they get Cade Cunningham in the draft. And I and I hate I hate that. I hate that this comes back to. Man, I hope you, you hope you get this guy in the draft because that's basically what it comes to when it comes to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They got to get lucky in the in the in the in the NBA lottery to have any luck when it comes to the season, and that just sucks to be completely honest. Yeah, um, tall and all, right? But I can tell you this: <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been in the same room as Lamelo Ball one time in my life. He's a head taller than both the Cavs guards. Yep. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. And like, the game, of, it's, it's all about size in that game. It really is. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, you know, you know you're know, you not ever going to get A-list free agents until slash unless you get that one player that could bring them here, which obviously Cleveland was blessed to have for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you're going to have to go about it a certain way. It's just they're well into the process, and we don't know which way it's gone. We don't know which way is next because there's, it's hard to tell what the plan ever was. Right. Right. I don't know what the plan is. I don't. But like, I know if they give if they give all the money to, it's to Sexton. And this isn't hating. I, th- I love that. Hey, Sexton plays hard. Right? Like, he, he plays hard. He's worked his butt off. It just ain't it. It just ain't it. Um, your MVP for the NBA. I didn't watch enough. I mean, okay. I, I watched the odds and saw that, that Jokic was the runaway winner. You know, I'm way more familiar with what Steph did over the last six, eight weeks or so, and I saw a little bit of that. But I'm just going to be honest. In the regular season, I watched five quarters of the Denver Nuggets. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Um, I think Joe, the Joker should win it. But I got nothing against Steph winning it. I, I don't. Because um, what Steph did, considering what his teammates are, I'm going to go on a limb, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. I've And not that I had any disrespect towards Steph. I think I've got more now than I ever have before what he did with what he did this year with what his teammates were. You know, like like in the sure. past, oh. you know what I mean? Like in the Dre, past, they play this had... guy named Juan Toscano Anderson. <laughs> right. They right. play Kent Bazemore, who's been on every team in the league and has sucked on every team in the league. Yes, he's, this is like his third time with the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it feels like he was on the run TMC Warriors. Yes, and was the ninth <laughs> man then. Yes, yeah, yeah. he stinks. Right. Yes. Like, yeah, um, it's wild. It is. Um, but what does it say? All right, let me. But let me ask you this: What does it say for the NBA if the Joker is the MVP? You know, we talk about the game becoming an international game. The games played differently. 
Um, and you get this six foot eleven guy that that can't run, that his he can't jump, but he truly may be one of the most all skilled players in the game. And if that's recognized uh, to become the MVP, I think that's a good thing for the league. Yeah, but I also think you could look at this as the year that everybody just wanted to get over with, right? LeBron sure. missed a quarter of it. AD missed a quarter of it. Um, you know, I look. I Joker's unique, and he is so fun to watch play. But like I, said, I, I just didn't see enough, and I just didn't feel compelled to see enough. To, Fair to enough. About this. Um, you're still stuck on Aaron Rodgers. Will not be a Green Bay Packer. You know, I'm not sold on it. I, I know I answered the question that way. Um, you know, I think Aaron is stubborn enough to try to see this through. Uh, we're two weeks away. It, it would have to be a post June one move if a move was made. You know, just for salary cap reasons to make it realistic for for either team. The asking price of the Packers would be huge, and rightfully so. Um, I mentioned Denver earlier because I just think they're the only team that would realistically be willing to do it because they do have some nice pieces. They're in a division where you have to score a million points. And I think they've seen, you know, they're seeing the end of Von Miller's run. They've seen Bradley Chubb be a good player when healthy, but not a great one. And they've seen, you know, this young off this nice young offensive talent that they've collected, not have a quarterback, you know, play the chiefs well once a year and just run out of juice. And I think they look and they say, okay, if we didn't have to give up the entire farm, if we only had to give up 70% of the farm and we could get Aaron Rodgers, would our Super Bowl window be open for two years? And are we willing to risk beyond that? I think it's a no-brainer. I just think they've had bad quarterback play for a long time. Hell, they won the Super Bowl five or six years ago with bad quarterback play from Peyton Manning. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) You know? Uh, Von Miller missed all year last year. Chubb, like I said, Chubb has missed time. That's the one, you know, most realistic fit. I, I don't see anybody else because of the salary involved and because of what you'd have to give up. I don't see anybody else as a realistic fit um, right now. Obviously, they wouldn't trade him within their own division, and they probably wouldn't want to trade him within the NFC at all. So, you know, New England seems out, right? Um you know, I think the Dolphins have, have have collected these picks with the intention of still trying to get Deshaun Watson or someone like that. But to me, Denver is the only realistic one that would say, okay, here, here's your two ones and your two and your established player and your two fours. You know, whatever. I'm just spitballing. I'm not writing that stuff yeah. down, right? But, like, here's your freaking farm. Give us our guy. And then Denver can say, okay, we're ready to win because when you have Aaron Rodgers, you can win 12 games every single year. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I, I, I keep hearing people say, well, you should call his bluff. I, I don't think this isn't playing um, poker. Okay, well, what do you no, get? What do the Packers gain by calling his bluff? If, the, if he doesn't show up this year and the Packers don't pay him, so they gain $33 million by not paying him, then they suck. Right. Yes, you don't gain <laughs> anything by doing that. And I think, the, look, the smart franchises know that. And I'm not saying Green Bay. Green Bay has been always been a very smart franchise, to be honest. Um, but some of the things that have made them smart makes their relationship with the, one of the best quarterbacks in the last 40 years very difficult right now. Um, and like I said, every time I hear somebody say, well, call his bluff, I'm like, no, you don't call his bluff because that's going to mean 12 losses and not 12 wins. Um, and you right. brought up the salary cap part of this. I just wish Aaron like Aaron Rodgers, and I love, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. If you ask me my top five quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers is in my top five. Um, but he plays, man, he's got NBA petty 
in him. He's, he is petty to a point where it's hard to like stand behind everything he does. And I'm not saying he's wrong. And I get it. When I when you look around the league and you look at the landscape, um, look, we all got pride. And if one of these rinky-dink podcasts um, that's out here that claims to, to know it all and they know nothing was suddenly getting paid a million dollars to podcast, I'm sure I'd be pissed and petty about it, right? Mm-hmm. When, when Aaron Rodgers sees Dak Prescott, get, and, and no offense to Dak, Dak earned it. You look at what Dak has gone through. You look what Tom Brady has gone through. Look, and he can put himself in, in the cases with all those guys. And Green Bay refuses to draft the receivers high in the draft for him. I can see where he's kind of like f you guys. I don't know if you told me this, and this is off. Um, this is off kilter and something different. Have you and I talked about Aaron Shea, Tom Brady, and Bruce Arians? Have we had? Yeah, I told you about, that. Yeah, you told me. Yes. <laughs> so I was interviewing uh, Aaron Shea a couple of days ago for this thing that we're doing that we're that I'm working on that you guys will know about over the next couple of months. And he like I think, and I'll just say it out loud. Because people can hear us talk about this, but they won't be able to do what we would do with it. Uh, I've told Aaron Shea, whenever Tom Brady retires, uh, we're gonna do a we're gonna do some kind of documentary on Tom Brady through Aaron Shea's eyes. <laughs> that will be unbelievable. But Aaron Shea's kids, um, their fa- their godfathers. One of the kids' godfathers is Tim Couch. Another one of his kids' um, godfathers is is Tom Brady. And then, like, his middle kid's god godfather is, like, Bubba from Illinois that he grew up with. And the, kid, <laughs> the guy's name is almost certainly Bubba. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and his kid finally got old enough to say to him, Dad, what the hell? Why do I get him and I don't get somebody else? <laughs> I just had to tell that because when Shay told me, I about peed myself laughing. <laughs> Oh, that dude is, oh, he is a classic, classic, classic man. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. But Shay gave, as the story goes, right, Shay, Tom Brady supposedly did not believe that the Bucks would want him. Right. And Shay gave him Bruce Arian's number or gave Bruce Tom's number? I think Bruce, he woke up the way Aaron told me the story because um, he's not a morning person. You can figure out why. Um, he woke up to a bunch of missed calls and text messages from Bruce Arians and other people uh, that were around the team. And and they didn't want to tamper, but Bruce wanted to know who Tom was. And Bruce obviously coached Aaron Shea when he was in Cleveland. Um, so he reached out and 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 Tom was and, and Aaron was like, hell yeah, you want him. And then Aaron kind of reached out to Brady and, and he was like, look at the team, blah, blah, blah. And basically what Shea told me was that Brady was basically dead set on wanting to go home and play for San Francisco. But if he couldn't go to San Francisco to play, uh, Tampa was the next team. And I think, and the story goes like this is that uh, Shea. So when Tom Brady wanted to know what, what uh, the coach was like, what BA was like, Shea was like, shit, he's the opposite of what you deal with. He goes, couch used to throw balls at my feet. And BA would be like, good throw, good throw TC. Make sure you catch that Shea. So Shea told that story to, to, uh, to Tom Brady, and he was like, dude, he'll be kissing your ass from day one. He goes, this will be nothing like Bill Belichick. He goes, you can throw the ball anywhere, and he's always going to give you love. I tell that story, and I did this on purpose, because do you remember the stories that were out there that were run by major media people 
about Bruce Arians quote unquote calling out Tom Brady at the beginning of this basketball season. And Shea brought that up to me to say, you can't believe everything you hear and go about. He goes, I've played for BA. I know how BA treats his quarterbacks. And he goes, and I've played with Tom Brady and I know how serious Tom Brady talks about takes in quarterbacking. What BA was doing was protecting his team because he knew Tom Brady was going to take care of what Tom Brady needed to take care of. Yeah. I just thought it was a great story of people getting caught up in what they hear in the media, having no fucking idea what really was going well, on. Listen, I, I want to, that's incredible first, but secondly, I would sum up the Browns schedule talk by saying this last year, guys on Thanksgiving weekend, the Browns passing game had its most complete game and they took off from there and they had incredible experiences the rest of the way through the bizarre COVID game, the wild Monday night game that they played great, but didn't win the game. They beat the pants off Tennessee. Right. And they rode that out on Thanksgiving weekend. If the season had ended that day, the bucks would not have even been in the playoffs. So my breakdown of the schedule is take a deep breath. We'll see. They'll win some, they'll lose some. They'll play a great game against somebody, maybe Kansas City, maybe not. They'll play a bad game against somebody, maybe Kansas City, maybe not. And if you have your dudes in November and December and you develop your identity and start playing well then, then you can make a run. The one thing that I have said and written and will continue to say, the Browns need to win the division because realistically you need to play at least one home playoff game. And everybody in Cleveland needs that game and the Browns need that game. Right, you you just I know the Bucks did it, but it just doesn't happen, right? Yeah. If you're really going to make a run, so basically win the division. What you're say- yeah, basically what you're saying with Tom Brady and, and the Bucks did they did with one of the best quarterbacks of all time and one of the best coaches of all time. Yes, and they, and, and they had and they and the other thing is and the, and you're kind of hitting at this. They took advantage of a pandemic playoff system where they were able to go on the road and not deal with real crowds. Yeah, they played Taylor Henneke in the first playoff game. Yes. Um, Matt LaFleur kicked a field goal. Like, things have to, I guess, two things. One, you got to be playing well at the right time. The right time's a long fucking way from May. And two, like, things have to go your way. And you just don't know. You just don't know. You got to, what makes the Browns dangerous to me, obviously, they're talented, but. The way that they have those running backs in that offensive line, you don't see that shit every week, Jack. And no. that could cook up things. The quarterback has to play well. He's going to have to play really well in the big games. The defense has to be a ton better because last year 28-point leads were not safe. But the big thing is how are you different? How What makes you unique to prepare for and a pain in the ass to play against? And if the Browns offensive line gets back to that level and Chubb and Hunt are doing what they do in the various ways that they do it, then the Browns can beat anybody. And, and no doubt. You know, week one to me, I'm I'm disappointed that they play at Kansas City for, for this regard. And I think that, you know, given truth serum, I think they would be too. When you play that game, you know the chances are the road to the AFC title is coming back through that stadium, right? And I just think in week one, you're finding yourself. And that goes for the Chiefs too. That goes for every team. You're still finding yourself. I think if you played that game more in even week seven, eight, let alone 10, 11 – you would really get more valuable experience out of it because who are the Browns going to be in week one? Hell, they lost by 100 last year in week one, and it didn't matter. They had their best season in 30 years, (laughs) right? Like the deck was stacked against them. This year, they'll get a full training camp. They'll get the preseason. They've kept their coaches. They're acting like a big boy organization. They belong in these discussions. I'm just saying you're not going to get a ton out of that game other than your airtime, and your secondary is going to get put to the test, and and we'll see how it goes. They really are. Um, they really, really are. I, I, truth serum from you. How excited are you to be uh, in Green Bay for Christmas? 
Well, um, you know, we got to get these access issues hammered out yeah. or I won't be on the road. But, yeah, um, it's certainly different. Um, Appleton in the summer is beautiful. Even the time we came out and Jimmy Donovan was white as a ghost and told us he couldn't find Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> We also watched a. Um, we also. Why can't I think of his name right now? The defensive coordinator. We also watched a Ryan eat a thirty dollar, forty dollar steak at midnight too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Green Bay, and, and I haven't been there in many years, probably more than ten, actually. Um, there didn't used to be a hotel big enough to house an NFL team. You have to stay right. in Appleton, which is like thirty to forty miles away, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. That It's really cool. And, listen, that, that says that's the NFL saying they believe the Browns are going to be good, right? Yep. And that's going to be a huge game. We'll see how that all shakes out. Hell, the Packers could trade Aaron Rodgers, and that could still be a big game for them in that division. Yeah, so, yeah you're right. Um, look, you know, the, the Browns got handed a likely L in week one. But then they got two pretty much layups, just like last year, back at home, back-to-back. Texans and Bears win those games you're two and one then you're finding yourself now you're on to developing your strengths and masking your weaknesses now you're in a groove of playing and, and we'll see so it's interesting that that Thursday night game comes in the middle of that three game home stretch um, it's rare to have those and, and to win the division you got to be minimum two and one in that stretch probably three and oh we'll see but you know again you know the the, the holidays are the markers to me on Halloween, they play their first division game. On Thanksgiving weekend, they play at um, Baltimore. Like, that's not until then is anything really worth getting excited about. Let's just be honest. Because you're thinking beyond. We're not, you know, well, of course we're going to overreact to what happens in week one and week four, right? But, like, right. realistically, what does it matter? Does it? Does it matter at all? I, it does, but you're right. But that's what we Right. Do. I'm not saying start two and seven and expect to make the playoffs. But I'm saying the games everyone remembers are after Thanksgiving. Yes. The ones that matter are after Thanksgiving. You're absolutely right. Um, I think this is a good time to do the, uh, what do you call this about baseball? The Indians 30 seconds. The baseball minute, but hopefully not a full minute. (laughs) Let me start by saying this. Congrats to you for covering a team that every single night there realistically could be a no-hitter thrown by one team or the other. Either way. Yeah. Well, let me, and I'm on Twitter right now with somebody going, like, it's May 18th. There are a few games over 500. Are they constructed perfectly? Hell no. Um, do they have an organization or franchise that somehow has overcome? Like, I'm just sick of the Indians' fights that I continue to hear. I get how people feel about the Dolans and this and that. But damn it, the product is pretty is, is better than, than more than three-fourths of what you get around baseball. Baseball is a broken it's a broken thing right now. It's not, it's not perfect in any way, shape or form. And baseball better get the right people in charge to figure out how to make this game uh, more television friendly, more kid friendly, more uh, cause it's a great game. It, it is a, still a great game. Um, I watch softball games with my kids and like the, the game is great. Unfortunately, the people that are in charge have, have kind of messed up and skewered what we're watching. Um, look, and I, like, I got a guy right now saying, texting me or tweeting me, we need to see what we have in the minors. Otherwise, it's going to be a long season. But this guy started his argument by bitching about them playing a bunch of young players. <laughs> like, 
you're seeing what's in the miners, dickhead, and you're already complaining about it, but you need to see more. <laughs> like, they're trying. Like, it's it, like, I don't know. I, I commend them for playing the way that they have and being where they're at. The one thing I will say, and I don't have all the answers. I just study every night and hope to be able to be, have fun doing a broadcast. And I think we're doing that, and the numbers say that, despite what others feel like. And I know this screwed up that everybody can't watch the games. I'm not a fan of that either. Um, but we still are ranked pretty high in what we're doing. And I appreciate the people that are watching um, that know that we do. We bust our ass to try to give an entertaining um, broadcast every single night. Um, but this is baseball. Baseball offense. It, look, offense is so bad right now. It's as bad as it was, I think, in 68, uh, Zach. And in 68, they lowered the mounds after the season. Um, what we have found out with all these kids swinging up, trying to hit the ball up in the air, that's easy to pitch to. Duh. And they figured out how to do that. Uh, but I give the Indians credit. And the one thing here, this is the one thing I'll say, and I'll leave it at this. The AL Central probably is not as good as we thought. Best record in baseball, though, as we stand, is the Chicago White Sox. Don't the Twins the have the worst record in baseball yeah. at this moment? Yeah. That's bizarre, isn't it? And the White, and the White Sox, and the Twins spent a ton of money. Yeah. And the Twins have did everything that, that I hear Indians fans bitch about. The Twins did, and they're in the basement with the worst record in baseball. The White Sox are, are the cream. They're, they're great. And the Indians are three and a half games behind them. Are the Indians great when they're perfect in everything that they do? Do they have an imperfect roster? Absolutely. But as quickly as we say that, let's give credit that the people that put that team out there every day find a way for them to compete uh, when really they got a MacGyver lineup together every single night. Yeah. I mean, that the rub of baseball is that, like, there's a game every night, right? So you can react to it and you can say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this bum is doing this or I can't believe this happened again, right? But realistically, you can't react every night because there's 162 games. Right. Like I, I, I'm tracking it. I'm, I'm not in the park. I don't know the team. Uh, I mean, no one thinks that the Indians are a World Series team this year. Right. No. But like they can be a playoff team. Is that? Yeah. Right. They can be. And that you know what? And, and let's be honest, this is a reset year. And they you knew it was a reset year and everything they did previously and what they put on the roster and what you just said. If we said that about the Cavaliers, we said that about the Browns, you said that about any other organization in the country, that in a reset year, you don't expect them to win at all, but they could be a playoff team, we would commend that organization. Yeah, yeah. I mean, time will tell on what they got for the shortstop that's hitting 180 in New York, right? I mean, yeah. And look, he's not going to hit that the rest of it. No, he's going to no. be better than that. Of course. But so far, you've got the same production as shortstop, from the, and they're not been, and the guys we got haven't been great either. Yeah. Think about, you know, like you're getting the same thing. Baseball's in a weird stage right now, but you can't judge baseball off of 40 freaking games either. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> but I get, but my Twitter phone tells me different. It's a long <laughs> way to 162, buddy. Yes. yes it is. Still All right, we've plus. been here a long time. I just realized what time it is. We got to go. Thank you guys for listening, tweeting, the feedback. Uh, we really do appreciate the messages when we – call out for questions when we ask for help on things you guys have been awesome with that so thanks to our sponsors specifically to american fireworks as we mentioned before dial them up go to the store tell them a to z sent you or dial up americanfireworks.com we are thinking happy summer thoughts um i am off to a brief vacation memorial day weekend is a week away Dre, they're in la um two more days right and then yep. do they come home tonight 
tomorrow. They're off Thursday. Then we have a homestand against the Minnesota Twins. Uh, then they go back on the road, I think, to Detroit for a little while. I'm happy because the wife went off to work. I'm left with the kids. Their school is done. She told me I got to get dinner. So I'm going to Swinson's with the kids right now, then dropping them off at my dad's house and working. Let's go. Hey, hey. <laughs> Sometimes things just go in your favor. Thanks for listening, guys. We will talk to you probably next week on A to Z. Kanichiwa, LeBron's ankle. <laughs>